login. Enter your password. Password incorrect. Forgot your password. Please answer the security questions. What was your mother's maiden name? What was the name of your first pet? In what city were you born? How do you gain access to God? Too many failed login attempts. Your account has been blocked. Contact your system administrator. Connection lost. Hello, Mountain. How's everybody doing? Good. I hope you're doing a, a little better than you sound. Good. Glad you're here. Welcome. If you're a guest, glad you're with us. Um, how many of you kind of feel like eventually it is possible that we will have, we will have spring? Does you, do you feel like that could happen? I think it could happen. It's, it's kind of interesting this kind of year, you know, when the, when the weather kind of breaks a little, it's a sunny day, it, says, it really affects people's outlook and attitude, doesn't it? I mean, people that don't even like each other are talking and patting each other on the back and just kind of a, there's a spirit of expectancy and a sort of this idea that, you know, the long, what you all consider long uh, winter gives way to the newness and the freshness of spring. I know if, unless my dogs have dug them up, there's going to be a little place out in our yard where these crocuses and daffodils will pop up here in a week or two. Or all of a sudden they'll just be there. And that's kind of what we love, I think, spring. Here's what I also think. I, I believe that every single one of us longs for something just like that to happen in our lives spiritually. I, I, I think all of us, no matter kind of who, who you are or what your background is, I think we all long for God to bring something new and fresh into our life at a spiritual level, that we'd be alive like that. You know, every one of us goes through a, a um, spiritual winter. It happens to everybody. Maybe, you've been in, maybe you're in one right now. Maybe you've been in one for a long, long time. But God can also do the same thing He does in nature, in, in human lives and hearts, where He brings a kind of renewal and He brings out of a dormant, cold, icy place inside of us, a freshness and a warmth and new life. And I hope that's what you want. That's what this series is, is about, is, is allowing us to take a step toward God and say, would you do something new and spring-like in my life and help me connect closely with you. We're calling it Passwords uh, because we're picking up on that idea how you know, everything has a, a password today. Uh, from uh, your Easy Pass to your email uh, account, you, you, you need a password. From iTunes to YouTube, we got passwords for everything, right? So uh, how, how do we uh, gain access? How do we get online with God? What's the password? I mean, is there, can someone hand me a piece of Post-it pad with, oh, here's the password, you know, where I just type it in somehow and now I can gain access to God? Is that how it works? And if so, what is it? What's the, what's the secret? What's, what's the way? You know, Jesus' um, friends and disciples in his day, they, they looked at his life and they saw something he wanted. They, they saw that he had this kind of deep, real, ongoing, daily connection with the Father. And it was something they admired. They're like, you're talking to God. He's in your life. You, he's real to you. You're, you're, he's in every moment of your conversation in life. And Jesus, we want that. In fact, that's what I think they mean when they say, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, they say, Jesus, they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to... They, they prayed every day, all day. They were Jews. They, they prayed all the time. They weren't saying, teach us how to pray. They meant, teach us how to connect with the Father like you. 
And I hope that's your desire as we come to this, and we're moving through phrase by phrase through this, just that you would come with the same kind of eagerness to say to Jesus, would you teach me how to pray, how to connect with God in a deeper way? And that's, that's uh, the time then when Jesus gave this answer to their question in what we today call the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father since that's how its words begin, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And it wasn't a sort of magical, mindless mantra that you mutter or mumble hoping it sort of does something in the heavenlies, you know. It, it, was, a, it was a template. It was like a, an example of here's how you can talk with God. A reminder here, it would be fitting, that when we talk about prayer, it's really just as simple as the real you and the real God having a real conversation. That's all prayer is. And Jesus is saying, you can do that. Here's the password. And he gives us this template and we can have access to God. Now, I, I was reminded as I studied some of this um, that in the time of Jesus and clear up until today in Jewish synagogues, Jesus would have worshipped in a Jewish synagogue every, every week of his life as a good Jew and all the early Christians were. And they, they had set standard prayers that they would have prayed. They would have come together. They would have all risen and stood and recited the tefillah, it's called. You want to say that? Tefillah? Tefillah. You just spoke Hebrew. There you go. The tefillah was 18 prayers that they kind of recited as a way of kind of going through their worship and so forth. And it turns out um, that as Jesus now gives us the Lord's Prayer, there's a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities between the tefillah that they all would have known and the Lord's Prayer, except this. Jesus kind of gives a new, updated, better tefillah to answer their question. They all knew the tefillah, but Jesus teaches how to pray like you. He gives us something that's much more simple much shorter and much more personal. Does that surprise you about Jesus? He wants you to know that you can have access. It's personal, it's simple, it's short, it's a little model prayer. Here it is, the Lord's Prayer. And so let's, let's pray it together the same way Jesus would have prayed it, standing up in the synagogue, so to speak. So go ahead and rise to your feet out of reverence for God, respect for His Word. We'll put the words on the screen. We'll pray it together. Let it be your prayer as we go to God and just let the meaning of these words as we've been talking about them in recent weeks kind of come through your mouth as we pray this prayer together. Okay, you ready? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done just on earth, just as it is in heaven. Give us today the bread that we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And keep us safe from temptation to sin and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good words, good prayer. Let's go ahead and grab a seat and dive in a little bit further. We've been kind of going through phrase by phrase, word by word, um, trying to pick things out. And of course our goal here is not just to learn some little factoids about the prayer so you can go home and recite them to your friends. We're trying to get beyond the academic part. This is about practitioners here. We want to get better at praying. We want to get to know God better. We're not just trying to learn the Lord's Prayer. We're trying to learn the Lord behind the prayer. Get to know Him. And so as we do, we jumped in on that first phrase. 
Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. It was a reminder. It was a reminder as we begin that, you know, we pray to our Father who's large and in charge and in the heavenlies. He's holy. And yet he's our daddy. He, we have access to him. And holiness reminds us that he's special and set apart and that we're called to live holy lives. And one of the ways, as we talked about last week, that we do that is we we help bring God's kingdom to earth in my own life and yours. Because we pray not just to change God's mind about something, but we pray knowing it'll change us. So as we go through the Lord's Prayer, don't just go at it, you know, so that it'll maybe change how you pray. Let's, let's really think about what this would mean if it changed how we live, if it changed who we were. That's the key. So today we come to this middle phrase, the one right smack dab in the middle of the, of the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's, uh, let's say that together. We're going to focus there today. Ready? Give us this day our daily bread. Remember when we started the prayer, Jesus says, hey, get your mind lifted up off of your own petty problems and think about the big stuff first. God first. So God, your name, your holiness, your kingdom, we kind of lift up and look up there first. But now it turns a corner, doesn't it? Can you feel the change? Jesus is saying, it's okay now, we're going to talk about your needs. It's okay. To remember that God is our provider. God wants us to come asking for some of the things that only God can provide. So this is a prayer of humility, isn't it? A posture of dependence and need defines how we come saying these words. We start out by talking about God, what you know, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, and all that stuff, your holiness, your name and everything. But now we're talking about give me my bread. I need forgiveness. I need deliverance. Give, forgive, protect. It's all about our needs. And that's okay, Jesus says. And so it begins with this word, give. Give. Now there's lots of ways you can say the word give, right? Think of two little kids in the nursery, like they both got the same toy. Give me, give me that, it's mine, give me that, give me, give me that. You can pray that way if you want to. I think sometimes we do. Give me. Kind of a demand, a presumptuous Way, I don't know that that's what Jesus means when he uses the word give. Give, give sometimes is just a reminder to have a humble attitude of need and a posture of dependence. That opens up a relationship with God that's real. Church I grew up in, we didn't really do much of anything fancy, uh, no demonstrative stuff going on in my church, but over the years, I've been encouraged by different ones, and maybe I'll encourage you to do the same. I, sometimes you add a posture or some physical action when you pray, and it kind of helps become part of your prayer. And somewhere along the way, I've kind of very often I find myself just praying with my hands open like this, palms up, just kind of relaxed, either on my lap or just kind of right in here. Just hold, it just kind of seems to me as a, a bodily gesture to signal to God and to myself that I'm open to receive and to ask him to give and to provide for me. It's kind of a it's kind of a humble readiness to receive, acknowledging that God you're my provider. 
I think it's, this phrase is hard for us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Because it's like, I got an ATM card. I got, a, I got a retirement account. I got money in the bank. I got bread rotting in my drawer. You know, what? Well, this is a hard prayer for us to know how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Do we really need to pray that prayer? But this is a reminder also to say, you know what? You don't have anything that God didn't provide for you. And you wouldn't have anything. Even your job or your ability to work or have a dime in your bank account if it wasn't God's ability to provide for you to have all that. And so we just come humbly saying, God, give. And I don't have everything I need. I don't have the wisdom I need. I don't have the, the ability to solve this relationship. I, I can't solve cancer. I can't solve this. a million things I can't solve. So I come and I just say, give. I open my hands. Say, God, I need you. And it's a reminder that God loves to give he's your father loves to give good gifts to us and we can come knowing that when we pray remember i just mentioned a couple weeks ago jesus actually says one time he says hey you know if your kid comes up to you and he asks for for some bread you're not going to like hand him a rock and say here kid gnaw on that (laughs) you know no no parent does that jesus says if you, as imperfect, flawed, sinful parents, know how to give good gifts and love and bless your kids, imagine how much more your Heavenly Father loves to give. And this is how we can come in confidence saying, Father, would you give, knowing that He loves to give. God is love. And love inevitably and always leads to giving. You cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And God is this is love and so it always issues forth in giving think of all the things that God just loves to give you know Jesus actually says in John he says God loves so much that he gives you the right to become children of God he loves you and those who receive him and believe in his name he gives the right to eternal life God so loved the world that he gave hello good morning yes yes gave so giving God loves to give and so we don't come demanding. We just come saying, man, and God, if you don't give us, we don't have anything. We are nothing. And so we just come humbly, hands out. I have nothing, God, without you, including the breath you're going to take in the next three seconds. God gave you that breath. And so we come saying, thank you. God, you provide everything that we need, including our very lives, our, our homes, our families, our skills, our talents, our jobs. Everything. And we thank you. We need you so much. We're hungry. Lord, without you, apart from you, I am nothing. Will you give, Lord? Will you be a giver again today and provide for us? It's a posture of humility. Some people wonder and whine and worry about their relationship with God, but if this kind of posture of need where you are reminding yourself that apart from God you are nothing is never a part of your conversation, then it's not the real you and the real God having a real conversation after all. So I think we just kind of start here, humble and slow. Give. Let's go back to the phrase. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's say it again. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's look at, the, let's look at that word bread. Because this signals a big shift in the prayers we've noted. The first part, remember, is all upward and all about God and the focus and the big stuff, the divine themes. And then there's this radical shift. So you can kind of feel it. Can you feel the the abruptness of it? God, your name is holy and hallowed and you're the supreme ruler in the heavenlies and may your kingdom come, may your will be done. And can I have a sandwich? Do you feel that? That's what's going on here from the sovereign and sublime to a submarine sandwich. And it's it's like this earthly, down-to-earth anchor to this otherwise heavenly-sounding prayer. It's a reminder, this amazing, ironic, powerful truth that God cares about your lunch. It's, it's awesome. 
And I, I think sometimes we forget that. Prayer is about real life. Some of us are more spiritual than Jesus. We, we let our prayers always sound all up in the flowery stuff in the sky about God and everything. But you know what? Real prayer comes right down. It's not just about pie in the sky. It's about bread on the table. It's about the real needs. And it's encouraging because we do have real needs, real hurts, real stuff going on, big and small in our lives all the time. And this is the stuff, the down-to-earth, nitty-gritty stuff of life and every day that you think about and worry about and talk about. That's stuff that we talk about with God. Nothing more every day than bread on the table all around the world. That's pretty personal. You talk to God about personal stuff? Daily stuff that you're thinking about? God cares about the little stuff. Now, do you, have you ever had a, uh, something that you didn't want to bother someone with? It was maybe a big deal to you, but you felt like it wasn't a big deal to them or that they were so busy or they had other fish to fry so you didn't want to bother them with it. You ever had that sensation? I think sometimes, I think sometimes we can do that with God. But you know, God cares about the little stuff. Now, sometimes we need the reminder that God is huge and God is big and God is able and He can do immeasurably more than anything we ask or imagine. And we need that reminder in prayer to bring everything, even the, the stuff that just seems impossible to God. I was this last week with Tom and Rob in, uh, in Denver and we met with about 40 other pastors and a bunch of people who are working together on this Missions of Hope International, this partnership we have that so many of you sponsor kids and it's doing this amazing, amazing transformative work in the slums of Nairobi. We kind of reviewed what God has done in this rocket ride in the last seven years. But then Mary Kamau, who many of you know, got up and she talked about, she, she gave her I have a dream speech for the next seven years and what God could do. And she just... She just began to talk and dream out loud about how this, this place that is a valley of despair and darkness and sewage running through the streets and AIDS and kids in trouble and, you know, brewing going on and drugs and all of this terrible stuff and despair and hopelessness. She just began to picture how God is at work and going to use us and things are going to happen and it's going to become a mountain of hope and light with children who grow up to be productive and who have hope and parents and families that come back together and jobs and healthy places to play. And she just, by the time she was done talking about it, we were just like, yes. But then we saw the size of it and realized, I don't know how that's going to happen. And here's why she ended. She said... Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. She said it three times. Nothing is impossible with God. We're like, yes! And we got to remember that when we pray, don't we? That there are these huge things that we can't solve. They're like the systemic problems and problems that ingrained in my life and my heart and patterns of sin that we just can't fix. And we just come back and we say nothing's impossible with God to remind us that there is nothing too big to go to God with. But sometimes, you know what I think our problem might be is also the opposite. That sometimes we don't go to God with things not because we think they're too big, but because we think they're too small. And here Jesus says, after talking about the kingdom and the holiness of God and the heavenlies, you talk about your lunch, your daily bread. A reminder that we're not bothering God with our petty little small meaningless lives. That what seems insignificant matters to a father who loves and he cares. So that test you've got coming up, a speech you have to give, an interview you hope goes well, a conversation you're nervous about, all those things, 
job interview, stomach bug, driving through that perilous one quarter millimeter of snow to work. You can pray about that. And you don't have to worry, oh God, I know you have your name and your kingdom and your holiness to worry about. I won't bother you with my stuff. No, Jesus says you come asking for bread. God cares about your lunch. You know, um, it's been several years ago now because my son Nathan, our oldest son Nathan, he's in college already. That's what happens when you get married when you're 12. Anyway, um, so it was a long time ago. He's probably five years old. One night, it's probably nine o'clock at night, you know, I hear his voice calling out, Daddy, Daddy, from his bedroom. I go in there and open the door, light comes in, I can see a little shadow of a five-year-old boy sitting on that top bunk. Brother conked out down below. He's sitting up, kind of a little bit confused, but he's looking at his finger. He's got a problem with his finger. Something's going on. Hmm. Daddy, something's wrong with him. Turn on the light, go into diagnostic mode, right? What every dad does. Let's take a look at that. What is the problem there, son? It's keeping him awake. Hurts. It hurts him. Can't figure out what's going on. Look at that finger. Oh, it looks kind of swollen. It looks pudgy. I don't know. Look at the other one. Ooh, same way. That's not it. Just a fat finger. You know. But you figure it out. You eventually kind of poke around and you, you figure out where it hurts. And you know what? You know what the diagnosis finally was? Hangnail. Five-year-old never had a hangnail, but it hurt him and keeping him awake. Didn't know what to do. Hurts, Dad. So I did what every medically savvy father does. I kissed it. And then we prayed. Can you do that? I did. He held his finger. God, will you help Nathan's finger to feel better so he can get some rest? Whether you heal it tonight or sometime down the road, will you just help him to get through the night here first and then heal his finger? God, thank you for caring. Amen. Little tiny boy. Little tiny bedroom. Little tiny house. Little tiny Maryland. Little tiny finger. Little tiny hangnail. Great big God who heard that prayer, I believe, and allowed that boy to go to bed rest assured that no matter how big or small our stuff is, we bring it to God in prayer. Even hangnails and daily bread. That's a great truth, isn't it? When the Bible says, cast your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you, it doesn't just mean only things that qualify. It means whatever it is that you care about. Give us this day our daily bread. So pray that way, Jesus says, and you'll have a connection with the Father that's more real and close. Let's, let's talk about bread for a minute. Talk about bread. There's at least three ways we can understand the idea of bread, right? Like um, three layers of meaning. Now, we do this all the time with words. Like we'll say something and there can mean more than one thing. So, for example, let's just say I'm sitting in my living room and I'm on a recliner and I say, I am thirsty. I need something to satisfy my thirst. Okay? Now, in our house, the way that works is all the kids jump up and my wife, they all run to the kitchen at the same time trying to get me something to drink. You know, that's the way it works at our house. But they might just bring a glass of water and there you go. And I just said, I'm thirsty, I need something to drink, they bring me water. So water and thirst just can mean literal thirst and water. There's another meaning where it might mean 
something different if I'm out in the Kalahari Desert and I've been there for two and a half weeks and I'm clawing my way half naked, sweating, and I'm going toward a mirage and I'm like, I, I'm thirsty. Now I use the same words. I, I need something to drink. I'm thirsty, but it means something much more real and desperate and deep. If I don't get something to drink, I might die. We're talking now about essential necessities of life. But I use the same phrase. And there's a third way you could use the same phrase. If I'm on a spiritual quest and I'm hungry and I'm empty for, for spiritual meaning, I could say I'm thirsty for meaning. And someone might be kind enough to point me to Jesus even, who's the living water, to quench my thirst, which I mean in this case kind of metaphorically or spiritually, symbolically. So it's the same way with bread here. There's kind of three layers or levels of what bread can mean. Right? So, on the surface of it, bread means bread. It means the stuff you grind up and, you know, add, you know, some uh, water to and, you know, you, you bake in an oven, go pick up at, at uh, Panera or Wonder, you know. Bread means bread. And you can pray that way. Father, I need some bread to eat today to survive. And it, bread also, though, can mean more than just literal bread. It can mean kind of all, it can stand for all the things that we need to survive. The needs that we have, the basic necessities of life. Bread can refer to more than just bread, but all of life's provisions. When, when someone says, uh, I say, hey Sue, you like your new job? She says, um, not too much, but you know, it puts bread on the table. What does she mean? Does she mean, it's the weirdest thing, I go to work, every day I come home, there's a, there's a, there's a thing of rye bread on my table, I don't understand. No, no she, she means... I don't like my job a lot, but you know it provides income and stability, and I can I, I can get health care, and I, got, I can pay my mortgage, and drive a car, and, I, and you know, and I you know I have what I need. Bread can refer to a kind of broader sense of life's necessities, money to survive, and love, and children, and health care, and government, and friendship, and energy to make it through the day. Bread. But there's a third deeper meaning also, which is of course the spiritual meaning, and Jesus Himself. Tipped us off on this one, didn't he? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm what you're really hungry for. He called himself the living bread from heaven. Okay? When you eat this kind of bread, you're going to live forever. So we go clamoring after all kinds of other stuff to fill our empty stomachs spiritually. And Jesus says, I'm what you're looking for. I'm what you need in your life. Feed on me. And so he got three kinds of bread. So when we come to pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and give us this day our daily. What are we talking about? Do we mean, Father, today I know that I need daily sustenance and I know it won't happen without you and I need more than just bread. I need so many things. Help us, God. We trust you as our provider to give to us and even more than that, we need Jesus. Give us more than more than just life and emptiness. Give us hope in the bread of life. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, which do you think is okay to have in your mind? One, two, or three? Probably, probably the answer is yes. And so we pray that way. We pray for bread, daily need, and you know there's people all over the world that this is a real prayer. The kids whose pictures are on our refrigerators because we sponsor those kids, it's a real prayer for bread bread, literal bread. And some of, some of our sponsorship all answers that prayer. But more than just bread, bread, it's all of our needs. And more than that, we say, Jesus, I need you. I depend on you for everything from the sandwich in my hand to the Savior in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. 
Let's look at the phrase again. Give us this day our daily bread. Let me draw your attention to the word daily. It's kind of interesting that it's there because on the one hand, it's kind of redundant. Give us this day, which kind of means daily, our daily bread. What is he stuttering? What's the deal here? Give us our daily, daily bread? Why is it there twice? Well, at one level, it's a reminder that our conversation with God needs to be ongoing and current and up-to-date daily. Talk to God a lot. You have relationships, just like I do, that are super close and intimate, involved in your life all the time. And you have other ones that are more distant because they don't know what's really happening and a lot of water goes under the bridge before you connect and those relationships aren't as close. We have friends like that that are more casual and distant because they don't know the ins and outs of really what's going on in your mind and your heart every day. And Jesus is saying, don't let your relationship with the Father be like that. Daily, come. With your hands out, asking and hearing. Check in daily. That's one reason we created this little card. I hope that, you know, if you haven't... um, been using this. This is a great tool. Go grab one on the Welcome Center today if you don't have one of these bookmarks. We're just kind of using it through what we call Lent these days leading up to Easter. It's a couple weeks away. We're about halfway through. Don't worry about catching up, but just jump in on the day that's there. Short scripture, a way to pray the Lord's Prayer to, you know, to the Lord, and then another short scripture. Daily, find some way. Get on version, the app, and there's a daily way to pray and talk to God there. Maybe when you get up out of bed in the morning, your feet hit the floor, begin to think about God. As you jump in the shower, maybe before you send your kids off to school, you just pray daily, just talk to God. I'm old school. I pray at meals because I know I'm going to eat every day and that way I at least have a built-in connection to remind me I'm going to connect with God. So you can sit in your cubicle or sit at Hardee's even if everyone's looking at you and talk to God. It's okay. As you come home, sit around the meal table together, put your head on the pillow at night, wherever it is in the car while you drive and talk to God. My mom used to have this song. My mom sings a lot of songs and they work their way into my sermons because they're just part of my life now. A lot of good theology in my mom's old songs. She turned 87 this week. She's still singing these songs. It goes like this. Whisper a prayer in the morning. Whisper a prayer at noon. Whisper a prayer in the evening. Will keep your heart in tune. You wanna, you wanna keep your heart in tune? I, I know you ain't clapping for my singing, <laughs> but you wanna keep your heart in tune. Mama's right, isn't she? You just talk to God a lot daily, daily, daily. What's your plan? You wanna be close to God? You want a new thing? You want spring in your life? Well, then maybe you better talk to God daily. Get the relationship going. There's something more with this word daily that's pretty interesting. We've got to take a note of it. Daily. Crazy thing. You wouldn't know it by looking in your English Bibles. There's a word translated daily. Give us this day our adjective translated daily. Here's, here's the crazy thing. It's the only place in all of Jesus' teaching that this word appears. It's the only place that this word appears in the entire New Testament. It's the only place... In all of ancient Greek literature that this word appears, right here. In other words, Jesus made up a word. 
Give us this very day our mm, bread. The word is epiusios. What does it mean? Well, when you want to know what a word means, you look it up in the dictionary. Guess how dictionary writers write their definitions? They look at how everybody uses it, and they study a hundred uses of it, and then they kind of write their definition. Well, if the only one to ever use it only happened one time, how do you know what it means? This is a long, fancy way of saying nobody really knows what this word means. Except we think, we're pretty sure, it probably means daily. Okay, so there you go. So now, that was a long way of getting there, wasn't it? But actually, you know, as we looked at some other translations later and the, the meaning of this word as it probably was used in the early church, it, it probably means more than just a sense of daily. It probably means this sense of, God, give us this day that never-ending bread that you alone can supply, that, that resource that comes from you, that provision of what I need today. Come through for me today, God. We want to trust you and depend on you, the never-ending bread that never runs out. That's probably what the word means. About 400 years after the time of Jesus, some old Egyptian archaeologist found a little piece of papyrus. Guess what was on there? Same word, the word daily. And it was used in a shopping list as a direction to go get today's daily provisions for what we need to get by today. That's what the word was meant then. They didn't have deep freezes and, and pantries to store up stuff for tomorrow. You went to the market every day and you got your provisions that you needed and you did that every day. And this is the attitude. Jesus is using this word here, I think, to just urge us to trust him. It's about trust. And I almost am sure that when Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. I think he had something in his mind. Maybe it's in your mind too. You remember? Some of you might remember the Old Testament, children of Israel, right? They're slaves in Egypt and then they start hightailing it out of there. We better run. Here comes Pharaoh and his army. Boy, let's go through the Red Sea. Parts. Hey, way to go, Moses. Good job. Parts. And then those dirty Egyptians took a bath and we're over here. Woohoo, we're free. Except we're in the wilderness and it's a desert and I don't like it out here after all. That's pretty much the children of Israel. What a bummer. I hate it out here. I can't, there's nothing to eat. We had food back there in Egypt. I'd rather be a slave. Moses, you're a bad leader. God, you're a bad God. And God says, would you quit your whining? Exodus chapter 16, he says, look, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide bread for you. Here's how it's working. You get up every morning, you go outside, and you're going to find this little stuff. You're going to say, what is it? Well, that's what the Hebrew word manna means. It means, what is it? And it's little white flakes of stuff. You're going to think it's frost, but pick it up and look at it. You know what it is? It's bread and it's food. And I'm going to provide it every day for you to remind you that I am God and you can trust me. And just take enough for one day. That's all you need. And they're like, well, God doesn't know what he's talking about here. Get my mayonnaise jar and I'm going to scoop up a whole bunch because we're going on vacation. So they stuck it up there. But the next day, all the extra they got was rotten and stinky and nasty. God's like, ah, 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 ah. Just get what you need for today, the bread each day. And I'll provide more tomorrow when you need it. I'll give you your daily bread. I'm almost positive Jesus had this in his mind when he said, when you pray, you just ask God for manna, what you need to get by today, the strength you need, the answers you need, the wisdom you need, the health you need, the patience you need, the food and the bread and the nourishment that you need. One day at a time, just give me what I need today, Lord. You know, I've done a lot of camping over the years, and I remember one time, a long time ago, I took a guy along with a group of us, 
He'd never been camping in his life. Never been, I don't think he'd ever been out of a building in his life. This guy was a total noob, had no clue about anything. And I was like, you know what? Don't worry. First of all, we had great fun at his expense. But second of all, I assured him that we were going to take care of him. And everything he needed, I'd take care of. And sure enough, you know, I just packed everything I did. I was thinking of this guy, and I brought along. And so we get out there. No kidding. We get out there. He's looking around after we go hiking back in. He's looking for a building. I'm like, dude, there's no building. Well, where are we going to sleep? I says, have you ever heard of a tent? We're going to camp, we're gonna camp in tents. Oh, yeah, awesome, sweet, thanks. Well, I didn't bring any pajamas. I didn't bring any blankets. I was like, no, have you heard of a sleeping bag? You know, I said, oh, yeah, I've heard of that, but I've never slept in one. It'll be exciting. You know, it's like, okay. But the ground is hard. How am I going to sleep? I was like, you'd be fine, but even if you weren't, I, I, I brought this blue thing. Look at this. You roll it out. It's nice and soft and cushy. You'll be okay. Everything he needed, I kept providing. He's like, man, there's bugs out here in the wilderness. It's like, yeah, that's what this bug sprays for. Just spray it on. He's like, cool, thanks. You know, everything you need. I didn't bring anything. How am I going to eat? Oh, here's a bowl and a spoon for you. You know, where are we going to cook? Oh, here's, a fr- here's a frying pan. You know? He's like, I got I to gotta go to the bathroom. I'm like, you're on your own for that. But, but, the, <laughs> but everything else he needed, I was able to provide for him. And you know, it engendered a sense of trust in him. And I think that's what, I think that's what Jesus is getting at here. Trust me, in the wilderness of your life, There will be manna enough for today. You may not be able to know everything about tomorrow. But when you come with a humble posture of trust and dependence, you pray, God, give us our daily bread. This, friends, is a prayer of trust and relinquishment. We're praying for just the daily bread we need. So we relinquish some of the worry and the anxiety about tomorrow and the things I can't change, all the stuff that we want to hold on to, we relinquish to God. Stuff about my job, this person that drives me crazy, this situation I can't change. I relinquish it in trust, my stress, my worry. Jesus says, give it away to the Lord who will give you every day what you need to get through. It's a prayer of trust. What do you need to trust God for today? That He'll provide when you get in the situation, He's going to provide you what you need. You know what it is? Talk to God about it. That's prayer. You know, I love this scripture from Lamentations 3.22. It says this, Because of the Lord's great love. He's so great. He, he's going to give. We're not going to be consumed. not going to be eaten up by whatever you think is going to consume you. No, no. God's compassions, they never fail. They are New every morning. You go out and look out your door and there it is on the ground. The manna, the, the nourishment, the faithfulness, the compassion, the love, the consistency, the provision of God. It's new every morning. Hallelujah. Great is God's faithfulness. Pray like that. So don't be anxious. It's like headlights on a car. You, you go out of a movie theater and you want to go home. You can't see your house from the parking lot, right? You turn your headlights on. You can see about 30 feet down the road. Put your lights on, 40 feet. Great. But you can't see all the way home. But you just start driving where those headlights illumine. And when you get up 30, 40 feet, there it is. It's shooting out another 30, 40 feet. And another 30, 40 feet after that. If you don't drive into the ditch or take a wrong turn, that light will eventually lead you home. Jesus says, I'm like that. I'm a, my word, I'm the living word. I'm a light to your path and a lamp to your feet. I know you got questions about tomorrow. I know you got all kinds of things you're worried about. But just for today, will you just get in and drive as far as the headlights show you? And I promise one day I'll bring you home.
And until then, this day and every day, we just say, give us our daily bread. We trust you and we're going to relinquish our worry about so many things. You know, Jesus was always talking about the things that we worry about. Clothes, um, stuff that gnaws at us, what you're going to wear. He says, don't worry about that. People who don't have a father worry about that kind of stuff, but you do have a father and he'll provide. Let's turn our attention finally to the phrase one last time, give us this day our daily bread. And can I just draw your mind to the word our? Because as we're about to to focus in on uh, all these things that have to do with my needs and surrendering them, now this word our kind of shifts our focus out wider again, doesn't it? It goes out wide again. A reminder that we never come to God all alone. He's our Father, and we're asking not just for my bread and what I need and what I need. It's for our bread. We're, we're asking for the needs of the whole world. And we come with a concern, especially for God's people, the body of Christ. When you pray, are your needs and your concerns, are your concerns confined to the things that you need and you want for you? Because the kind of praying that Jesus teaches us to pray broadens our brains a lot and, and says, you know, the us and the our here stands for the body of Christ. So when we pray, we pray for the body of Christ, the whole body, the body of Christ in Indonesia, and the body of Christ in Rwanda and Uganda, and the body of Christ in Russia and China and Hungary and Bosnia and Nigeria and England and Ecuador and Missouri. The body of Christ in Egypt where they're still sad because a bunch of their friends and family got their heads lopped off for believing in Christ. And we pray for places where starvation and privation and, and hunger and political upheavals are threatening the lives of people. We pray for the body of Christ where brothers and sisters like you, we can't drive up and walk into a church like we can because religious extremists of other religions are making it very difficult to follow Christ. And when you pray this way, it just broadens your brain, doesn't it? We don't only pray for my needs, but for the needs of the whole body. When you do that, our problems shrink down to size. And the concept of the body of Christ grows. My heart expands. My desires for God's kingdom expand. And you care more and you give more. Now, if you don't want any of that to happen to you, you just keep praying the way you want to. Just pray selfish little prayers about you and your stuff. But don't expect that to be a deep, real relationship or a real conversation with a real God that's going to go anywhere. Because it's not. You're just praying some mantra that's making you feel better. When you pray this way, Jesus taught us to pray. You're praying about our daily bread. It gets my mind off of my bread box onto your bread box as well. It gets my mind opened up with this wide-angle lens about people all over the world, people in ghettos and slums and hospitals and places that I don't even like to think about. But I, I, I do think about them because I'm not just thinking vertically anymore. I'm thinking horizontally about our Father cares about not just my bread but all of our bread. So we ask together and we say, Father, give us what we need and know that sometimes he's saying, I did. Now will you distribute it or are you going to hold on to it? You've got way more than you need. There's, there's bread rotting in your box. And someone has said, you know, God's given enough for the whole world to meet the needs but not the greeds. And so maybe the call as we pray this part of the prayer is to live simply so that others can simply live. Help us with what we need today so that we might be a help that others need. 
Because nothing we have is ours alone, is it? It's all from God. It's all from God. So give us this day our daily bread. So we go to God and we just say, Lord, we need your bread. We need all that you are. We're going to just continue that thought as we share the Lord's Supper now. Communion, a time of communion. It's open to all who are followers of Jesus. We're going to do that right now together. Those who are going to serve us and pass the trays, if you'd just kind of scoot into your positions and get ready to service the bread in just a moment, that'd be great. And just let me invite you to come to the Lord saying, Lord, you are the living bread. You may come and it may be a hard time financially for you and your prayer might be, God, give us this day our daily bread. We need bread on our table. I don't know how it's going to work at the end of the month. Or some other need or provision for energy or strength or resources that you need in your life. Come to the Lord and invite His provision. And mostly what we come is saying, God, forgive us for all the empty things we try to nourish our souls on. Because we know what we really need is you. Give us the bread of life. Give us more of Jesus. Let's pray that as we go to communion today. God, give us more of Jesus in our lives. Help us to uh, find him and follow him. And give us more of Jesus, we pray. We ask this in the name of Jesus, the bread of life with whom we'll never go hungry, the one who will meet us one day at the Messianic banquet in heaven. Amen.